Hey, it's Justin here. Um, in this week's podcast, we're going to talk about deliberate non-consent, um, which is a little bit different to what we've talked about in previous podcasts about consent. This is where people are looking to deliberately commit non-consensual acts against people. Um, so here's a content note to begin with. So we're discussing deliberately non-consensual behaviour. We don't give any detailed descriptions, but we do touch on things like rape culture and the low conviction rate for sexual assaults and other sexual offences and how people make excuses for other people's non-consensual behaviour. Um, it's a tricky one to talk about because we're trying to talk about lots of different kinds of non-consensual behaviour, but we also talk about like community responses and how communities can be places where people can conduct their non-consensual behaviour and what communities can do um, to help prevent that from happening. Um, So if this sounds a bit much for you, do feel free to give it a miss and we'll be back um, next week with another one if you want to wait until then or you can catch up on one of our other podcasts. Uh, Thanks for that and um, hope you like the show. Bye. It's the Meg John and Justin podcast. Yay! I thought it was going to start off a loud one that went really quiet <laughs> super super quiet <laughs> softly spoken today. soft um, so mm. uh, welcome back uh, it feels like we're doing quite a few of these at the moment it's good yeah well we were just doing one on Sunday here we are again today it's Tuesday that's right yeah so you'll be hearing this in a couple of weeks time I guess mm-hmm. um, hello Hello, we're time travelling to um, you right now. I wonder how we'll from be a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I wonder how we'll be in a couple of weeks' time. Oh my god! I mean, Who my knows? life's moving fast at the moment. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows where I'll be in two years, two months, two well, weeks? Well, you know, I would yeah. like to be kind of where yeah. I am, but you know, we can't do that, can we? Because we're always changing. You can't always change. Change is a given. That's a, right. A human given. <laughs> It's got ex- existential already. Existential we sound, AF. We sound like such wankers right now. We do really. Should we, should we move on? <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with wanking before you. All no, write well, in. we need a better like. Uh, we need better words. Better words that aren't so like sexphobic. I mean, yeah, you can't. But you, there are no like every. Kind of insulting to her. Yeah. I mean, this is a good activity I do with young people. Actually. Oh yeah, really. Um, when we talk about you know have the difficulty of having vocabulary around sex and also mm-hmm. the stigma attached to sex in some words, I'm like, think of a swear word. Think yeah. of your favourite swear word. Is it to do with sex? Yeah. And usually it is. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. And um, but you know also those a lot of those words are really I love saying the W slur that I just said. Yeah, it's a nice one. It's great. Yeah. Um, so you know, the you know language is you know has lots of different meanings potentially. Yeah, complex. Hmm? It's complex. It's complex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we thought that how do how do we introduce this one? So well, I would <laughs> I would say it actually came up for me because I was writing a, a blog post um, around uh, the new book that I've got come out. Is that okay to plug a book that is now a book? Of course, um, psychology of sex. Yeah, it's a the great psychology. book. And you, you were the first reader for it, um, oh. so and gave me a lot of uh, good validation about it. it. Feels weird that that is a new book because I've been using that <laughs> book for about eighteen months. Because I wrote it, I wrote it's it two great. years ago, and it's only just come out. Anyway, they asked me to do a blog post, and they wanted me to apply because I wrote the book two years ago. It doesn't have anything about me too in, so hmm. they asked me to apply the book. Like, what can we learn from the psychology oh. of sex to inform like? 
consent conversations. And while I was writing that, um, something that I said that I hadn't quite put in this way before that I was quite pleased with was that um, our non-consensual culture that we have around sex and everything else Mm. that we often talk about, it does two things. It makes it difficult for any of us to have consensual sex, even when we want to be consensual, right? Mm. But it also makes it easy for people who want to be non-consensual to do so and get away with it it kind of enables them and i hadn't really teased apart those two different things before but i think Mm. that's something that the me too conversations have really helped us to see is that sometimes it's a matter of unwittingly being non-consensual because we're steeped in non-consent and other times it's about people trying to get away with things because they know they can because the culture is so non-consensual and we wanted to like look at the latter because we haven't really done that on this program before no program (laughs) i love how you call it program (laughs) you call it program on sunday as well it's our program (laughs) what we make (laughs) it's a thing it's a thing it's a real thing <laughs> you were saying it's on iPlayer next um, so uh, yeah. yeah so we talked about um, I guess what we talked about is I guess we've been we've been framing consent in the sense of that people have been aiming f- to have sex rather than aiming to have non-consensual yeah, we've, mostly when we've talked about consent, we're assuming that people are trying to do it consensually, and it's difficult to do it consensually because we're steeped in non-consensual culture, right? Yeah. But what about the people who are not aiming at not uh, are not aiming at consent? Yeah. Who actually want to get away with non-consensual behaviour? Yeah. Yeah. Who know what they're doing? Yeah. And know that um, that and like create a space to enable that to happen yeah and how do we either deal with those people and also what can be our response to those people absolutely more broadly yeah 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 um so um that's where we're going with this yeah so um i guess the first thing then is we'll start thinking about the person who is doing the non-consensual stuff yeah i think we were saying some stuff in um, our uh, podcast about sex advice, which yeah. will be out by now, which was when we were being asked about what if someone's done something really unethical and really shit. Yeah. Uh, and what, you know, what should our response be as sex advice givers? And we were saying that it's really important to be able to um, still be compassionate towards people and to welcome the person, you know, welcome that they have bravely written to yeah. us or you. Mm-hmm. Um about this stuff but then to also simultaneously be able to give them a bollocking and yeah. say this is absolutely not on. super firm about the behavior and yeah. we were talking um about um a, a post that you did in response to somebody mm. who had forced somebody to do something yeah and um you did exactly that i mean the point being that if you just came in with a pure bollocking that person mm. maybe not read it or just completely switch off from it whereas to be kind of gentle in the sense of really hearing that person their distress mm. helps them to to feel like they can connect with what you're saying and yeah. then being super clear that the behavior is not okay and how they can avoid that behavior and must avoid that behavior in future i think yeah. it's also about just not writing people off as well yeah i mean i think it's the thing that i think we talked about and that you know it's always a it's always a difficult one to talk about when things are very live particularly yeah. on social media is mm. that um 
the dangers of just shunning somebody completely and saying that this person is just no good and yeah. they're completely irredeemable. I mean, it's risky for them. We also need to think culturally about how we do that and what kinds of people often get more likely to be shunned like that yeah. and it intersects with kind of race and class and yeah. appearance and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know even if you're not wanting to have any empathy for that person mm. and which might well be understandable if you're a mm. survivor for example yep. um it's about well what works in terms of making sure that never happens again and actually shaming people means they're probably going to get super defensive and not be able to hear the yep. criticism of what they've done yeah so i think it is important to start looking for other approaches um but i think we should acknowledge that this is an incredibly difficult area mm. um and also that the da- there's another danger that it that focusing so much on the perpetrators often can take a lot of energy and time away from the survivors mm. who are perhaps where we ought to be putting our energy into in terms of um helping them to deal with what's happened to them yeah yeah definitely mm-hmm. um so there is a thing that in your introduction mj you were talking about how um it's the non-consensual culture which um doesn't help people to do things consensually with each other but also creates a space for people to do things non-consensually at yeah. one end of the spectrum so but often people d- doing non-consensual stuff gravitate towards those spaces where they can do the non-consensual yeah. stuff and so there is like a kind of an intention there mm-hmm. um, in order to do that and so that's why they so it's kind of like it gives them a sense of having that power helps you know having that power begets more power so it helps them to maintain that power and get more power by being more powerful over other people by yeah um assaulting them mm-hmm. or uh, whatever non-consensual behavior we're talking about absolutely and there's a there's a real issue with people becoming in these kind of quite powerful and leadership positions in, mm. in communities isn't there that that, that we just hear a lot about people who've reached those positions who then it's found out actually they've been behaving in non-consensual ways for years if not decades but the problem is that every individual it's happened to has assumed it's just them because everybody seems to really like this person and respect this person and it becomes uh, what the Cliff Pervocracy called the missing stare Mm. in a community that Mm. sense that everybody kind of knows there's something and everybody kind of walks around it just like you were if there was a missing stair in your home yeah. instead of like replacing the stair you just walk around it and tell everyone to walk around it yeah. and so the behaviour just carries on for year after year I mean, the obvious famous example of this is um, Harvey Weinstein yeah yeah, and also Jimmy Savile, yes. the same. Everyone yeah, yeah, knew yeah. really, yeah. but were stepping around it and weren't willing to. Yeah, because they're both people who've got themselves into very powerful positions. Yeah, um, yeah, that is like a, they're famous examples of this, mm. but also it happens in uh, in lots of different communities as well, not mm. just the kind of communities that we're familiar with in terms of like sex pos and kinks. Yeah, yeah, because it's come across but... come out up recently, obviously in kind of um, acting in Hollywood, but also in terms of the charity sector, yeah. where perhaps you wouldn't expect people to yeah. to do this, but they have absolutely have been. And again, other forms of power intersect there in terms of race and nationality as well, right? Yeah. yeah. So wherever there are play, wherever it's possible for people to have power, that this is, it's possible for this stuff to happen. Yeah. And it's probably like I guess we would say more possible for it to happen. Yeah, because... absolutely. I think yeah um, you were saying it's really important for us to think a bit about why we want to give people so much power you Mm. know and and kind of put people up on pedestals and have people as leaders and role models and stuff because actually in a way again it's a cultural thing of like Mm. in doing that we actually set up 
yeah. quite dangerous situations maybe we feed that person's mm. ego or make them think that they really are that great mm. you know perhaps even people who didn't want to do non-consensual stuff in if you're treated that way for long enough maybe you start to feel entitled and do those things so yeah. we really need to think as a culture about like celebrity and bigging people up in this manner like yeah. i would i wouldn't want to be on that pedestal you know you're going to fall off it eventually in a so I mean, if we were going to give these people advice, I mean, yeah. was, I mean, I think first of all, the main thing is like you have to actually really own your shit, yes. you know, to do that. There are lots of situations. I mean, but I, I think that in a lot of these cases, somebody will engage with maybe a little bit of coaching or mm. a small accountability process, and there's a sense that oh well, they've learned and they're going to do better. But I think this stuff can be really intractable. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're if we're in a situation where we've started to learn the, the appeal of that power, or really to treat people um, as objects, and so I think, yeah, once somebody has recognised that actually yeah. I have been doing this stuff and maybe for some time, then you know, engaging in a really thorough self-examination, whether through therapy or yeah. other means, is a very good idea. And whilst that's happening, you don't get to lead you don't get to practice you don't get to yeah. do any of the things that you were doing abusively yeah you put all that down and everyone around you ensures that you put all that down yeah while, while you're in that situation and you absolutely leave other people alone that you've um that you've assaulted yes or that treated non-consensually and that you absolutely just give everyone space to get over the stuff that you've done and yeah and this isn't like an overnight process or as you say a couple mm. of sessions with a with like a, a coach or something it's like yeah this is a, a big piece of work where you have to fundamentally change your life yeah forever really definitely um yeah 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 but you know that could it probably comes from a place of um them needing that kind of power and mm. needing that so maybe there's some trauma there for them themselves that haven't that, i think that often it, it comes if you've been treated violently and mm-hmm. whether that's again culturally or or more within your personal life mm. in a kind of um then then it, again it, um, I guess the important thing to point out there is there's, there's that sense of like abused people become abusers that mm. we have to really challenge because actually most uh, most people who have been um, abused do not become abusers. Mm. However, what you can say is most abusers have been abused. Yeah. So it works that way. Yeah. So I guess we do need to recognise that you know if somebody's doing that stuff probably their own boundaries have been violated pretty severely at some point mm. and therefore again they really need to do that work yeah yeah and that's the thing they um, haven't done the work there you know yeah. when we think about how um we often say on our podcast how uh, program uh, how <laughs> common non-consent is and yeah. you know it's um and but we're all do we all do work around that stuff um mm. in order to make sure that we're not passing on that um trauma to other people and that's uh, yeah. it's when people aren't doing that work and aren't really paying attention to that stuff during the life that harm can happen exactly yeah, like yeah. compartmentalizing that kind of stuff that's right and i think it's so hard to do you know for all of us it's hard to it's hard to sit with the side parts of yourself that are survivors mm. of that kind of thing it's very easy in the culture we're in to just say oh it wasn't it, that wasn't big enough that wasn't serious enough mm. but actually most of us have survived pretty awful stuff you know whether that be bullying or other forms of abuse and yeah. we need to sit with those survivor sides of ourselves and it's also bloody hard to sit with the survi- the sides of ourselves that are capable of non-consensual stuff and nobody wants to sit with that stuff because it's really uncomfortable especially no now so it's like what we're calling on people to do is actually sit with both those sides of themselves mm. um and in the situation we're talking about of somebody who's kind of systemically been doing this stuff mm. they they really need to sit mm. with those sides for some time and and learn from them 
I think that yeah. probably the last thing we'll say about this before we move on, I think, yeah. is that that, um, that when people systematically treat other people non-consensually, they're treating them as less than a human, yeah. as, a, as an inhuman. They're treating them as a thing that they can yes. do their thing to, to get off with or whatever, whatever it is that they want to do. Yeah. Um, and it's like they are the kind of object for their subjects and it's that mm. they get to perform what it is that, whatever it is that they want to do. In my head, I'm just thinking about... Uh, the allegations made against Louis C.K., for example, mm. um, but it's um, but you know actually, if you start to treat other people as less than human, you also do that to yourself eventually. So yeah. doing this work will um, potentially help you to treat other people as being more human, but also to help you view yourself as being more human. Absolutely, I think it's the it's pivotal to you know. I think most people where they're doing this kind of stuff at some level are feeling pretty awful in themselves are probably very judgmental of themselves mm. and it's like actually you'll learn to treat yourself more kindly in this yeah. process but the part of that process is owning your shit yeah. big time and that part is super painful but you come through it out the other side and you know, A you're going to be more gentle with yourself and B you might actually be able to have intimate relationships with other people yeah. that, that are mutually fulfilling mm. because you won't have been able to have that, those to this point and really really there's a lot of good to be had out the other side of this process definitely yeah I guess at this point we should say in previous podcasts we have talked about um, people who have been through trauma themselves and non-consensual stuff themselves yes. and how they might um, have done at least a couple of entire podcasts about that so yeah feel like we've kind of talked about that quite a bit mm -hmm. but for the rest of this podcast we're going to talk about what responses we might have as individuals and also as communities to these kind of to these people yeah that we that we may come across or may know about yeah um and again this might be as we've said it's not just like famous um mm -hmm. in fame uh, like famous uh, examples that this happens but also um it, it can happen in sex positive communities and kink communities and poly communities yeah. but also just in friendship groups friendship like groups, very broad networks, friendship groups yeah exactly and, and other workplace environments as well and other kinds of organisations yeah, workplaces where it's just you know that god most workplaces I've been in there's been acknowledgement oh this person's a bit of a harasser a bit of a you know yeah. um, and it's kind of like again missing stare and everybody just oh that's just how they are yeah yeah exactly so thankfully I've not been in a workplace for many many years yeah freelance that is one of the good things about being freelance <laughs> yeah definitely I but I think um, it, yeah I suppose just when you were saying about sex positive communities and kink communities there's a particular issue around mm -hmm. these kind of communities um, in that often people can feel a bit precarious in those communities about how they would seem be seen by wider culture mm. and that can enable folks to get away with this even more mm. because they know yeah no one's going to call them out because mm. they don't you know say you're in a kink community and you mm. don't want to be outed as kinky mm. well how do you then say that somebody's um done something non-consensual with you yeah because that would involve revealing that you're in that space yeah and or you know, like if you're a sex worker for example or you know in other kinds of sex positive spaces where you might not want to reveal your involvement with that it's wherever mm. there are incredibly high stakes for the person who is being mistreated yes right so if um so yeah if people would fear like coming out in yeah. terms of any in terms of anything to do with uh uh, their work or or uh, the sex that they have and the the kinds of relationship dynamics that they might have, 
that means that they are more vulnerable. Yeah. And that's another way of them having, you know, more vulnerable also means they have less power, less status. That's right. And I guess also the fact that we live in, you know, not just a non-consensual culture, but a rape culture. Yeah. Um, one of the facts of that is that almost anyone who's seen as wanting sex mm. is therefore seen as culpable if anything bad happens during yeah. that sex. So there's a real, there's a, that again, it's another way of kind of making sure that people aren't going to say anything when non-consensual stuff happens because if it happens in those communities where you've said you're up for something yeah even if you didn't say you were up for that thing yeah which is a huge disincentive to uh, go to the police right yes and mm-hmm. so that's one of the tensions that we have here is that the uh, criminal mm-hmm. justice system isn't particularly great around um sex stuff yeah. um and also it's really not great in terms of um a lot of people fear that the police aren't going to treat them fairly because of their race, their class, yeah. um, and sexuality, sexuality, yeah. gender and, status, yeah. And also, you know, the the conviction rates are very low for rape and sexual assault yeah. as well. So, to, to the idea of putting yourself through all of that mm. when you know this, it's unlikely to result in conviction, mm. especially if you're seen as not a good victim. Yeah. In that sense of you know the way stranger rapists treated as kind of somehow more serious than acquaintance rape, you know. Yeah. So there's a whole load of issues with the the criminal justice system in terms of addressing this, which is not to put people off, um, you know, going and using it absolutely, mm. and get hopefully getting some really good sex positive kind of legal support mm-hmm. if that's the route that people want to go down. But it's worth being realistic about what it actually involves and yeah. I think here we're also again we're also talking about this culture of yeah you know, this non-consensual culture and the rape culture which is that you know mm. it's because it's everywhere yeah it feeds into all of our potential responses as yes. well yes and as you were saying people can pray can make people more that can make people more vulnerable because they feel it's an avenue that they can't use yeah but if we could change the culture of um cop culture and yeah culture of um prosecutors mm-hmm. and um change the the uh, you know the the culture in the minds of jurors and things then mm. you know people would be able to start coming forward but it's like this it's this double bind that we're all in yeah. which means that it's a pocket of an, an area where non-consent can really thrive yes um if, if people want to get yeah if people want to get away with it that it's it's very easy to do so which is why i think we wanted to do the podcast and at least start to tease apart like some things communities can do to make sure either that these things don't happen in the first place or that they respond as well as possible when it does happen yeah yeah it's a grim podcast isn't it suddenly yeah it's a bit, all a bit uh grim this i remember going to a I, was at, I might have been there with you. I was at a conference and somebody was giving a paper and they kind of knew that it was all a bit depressing. Mm. I think it was like violence against trans folks or something. Yeah. So I might have been there with you, I guess. Possibly, I might, yeah. I might have been a, I can't, trying to forget, remember which one. Anyway, mm. and they said, look, this is all a bit grim. So uh, halfway through, they showed pit, uh, loads of slides of cats. I remember I was there with you. Yeah, it was just like a little pause and like, here's a bunch of pictures of cats. <laughs> Anyway, back to that. Wasn't it great? <laughs> Can we do that with this podcast? It was, it, it was crit sex. Yeah. No, it was gender and sexuality talks. Oh, that's right. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, if you ever want to pause during this podcast and go and check out a whole load of pictures of cute animals on the internet and then come free. back, then please do. We give you entire permission to do that. So we kind of said, mm. um, you know, that this is, for lots of reasons, it can be very common in communities where people are made to feel 
vulnerable already and mm. so vulnerable that they feel less able to report it and often when the people in these communities are like in inverted commas leaders of these communities that yeah. even more uh, that kind of reinforces that well it can be really difficult as well you know in that it's probably not going to be everybody that this person targets yeah and so there's going to be a whole bunch of people who actually like this person's great they really helped me they you know they open stuff up for me you know i love going to their event or mm-hmm. like actually i've really learned from them or they even helped me in my work or my business or something mm. and you know it's really hard for that group of people to hear yeah um and so you know that that it gives that person even more power because they've got this whole load of cluster of folks around them who are kind of saying oh no 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 I'm sure you never did anything like that yeah, yeah. Mm. so um, so the res- so again as we always talk about you know there are various responses that we can mm. that we can have here starting with the, the community response I yeah mean, as well as like we've already talked about a bit if we can change the culture yeah um, the wider culture then that would be yeah, helpful. We'd really like to do that. Well, it is happening. <laughs> yeah, it is. Happening. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what Me Too is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that also needs to filter absolutely yes. everywhere, doesn't it? You absolutely. Know, it's like, and it's worth remembering that actually a lot of these great consent culture ideas come out of some of these communities in the first place, often when they were dealing with exactly this kind of thing. So, consent culture in the in the US came out of a lot of work of people like Cliff Provocacy and Kitty Stryker and yeah. others who were writing about this stuff a good five, ten years ago. Yeah. Mm. It's important uh, important mm. to say that because we don't want to sound like we're coming like we're down on all the you know, the sex pos folk. I mean, God, we, no. did the, yeah. we did our own um we'd done a previous podcast about sex positivity and you know, we're like yeah, we're not sex neg or sex pos. We're sex critical. Yeah, and, you know, navigating that. Yeah, so we're not down on it. It's like, what does it? What does it open up? What does it close down? You know, quoting <laughs> things back to you again. But you know, there are things that communities can do, and yeah. learning from those communities, it's about how we can build consent into those, uh, into a, into a smaller way into those communities. So one yeah. example could be a practical example could be so instead of one or two people being like the leaders of a particular yeah. event or community or something, can we like share out some of this stuff so there are fewer yes. heroes? I think so, or saviors, or you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's that model, and I suppose that's it, isn't it? It's like as long as we're recreating these kind of hierarchical mm-hmm. models from wider society, and you know, let's face it, capitalism, yeah. then um, you know, again, non-consent is easily kind of built in from the start. Um, so there's something about having to think about more cooperative models, yeah. and certainly models where no one's put on a pedestal or a pinnacle, as mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, bulletproof or you know unable to do any wrong mm-hmm. um, I think that those things are really dangerous so um, I think yeah. it's about having like a diversity of people with different kinds of personalities in your team as yeah. well people who can bring lots of different th- things to a group I mean that's just like better organisational work anyway yeah. that we that often people with um, who are very charismatic and have personalities who might be able to yeah. lead a thing or kind of um, to give the energy for a thing to get started yeah. might not be the person to be to organise or might not be the person to be exactly. to be listening or might not be the person to be yeah. doing uh, caring work. So you might want them to be like the front person on the night or whatever yeah. but, but you know the others around to be doing much more of the organising in the lead up and maybe some of the more containing everybody you know yeah. event kind of work yeah and that, that person out. also is amplifying what all those yes. brilliant people are doing and plus, that everyone yeah. does their own bits plus this is also great advice around intersectionality as well because mm. the other way that a lot of these events and communities 
do badly is by being super like white and middle class and yeah. um, normative and it's kind of the and more you get, the more you, yeah the more you can have yeah. folks on your team from a diverse range the yeah. better the better your event's going to be on all of that stuff too yeah yeah um, so having different kinds of people around and sharing that out and sharing the roles yeah um, and that would hopefully get us away from this idea that there are these um, individuals who who have who are perfect who mm. are lead, who are like role models yeah. who are people to aspire to you and know? again I mean transparency might be another really good uh, kind of community culture here you mm. know of like us all being able to talk around the times we've messed up and again I think some of the stuff that came out of the US around consent cultures was exactly that was everyone starting to share examples of times when they had messed up around this and um, so there was you know you can learn a lot more when people are being open about Mm -hmm. this stuff's tricky Uh, how do we get it right but also how do we get it wrong and what can we do when we do fuck up exactly Mm. Um, I guess a lot of communities have also come up with um, kind of guidelines and invitations and structures which are definitely worth looking at Uh, so Pink Therapy and us and some other people Mm -hmm. put together some of these guidelines for organisers and for attendees of Mm -hmm. parties uh, Mm -hmm. which are on my website Mm -hmm. rewritingtherules.com so if you want to have a look at those those are out there there's also a thing that a friend of mine put together with mm. a group of people called Nest, yeah. which is a similar kind of thing, like code of conduct and also um, like how to, like talking about also a potential accountability process as well, which mm. we might talk about in a second, but um, but about just um, parties generally, just like regular parties, yeah, in order that people... Um, um, don't harass each other, don't sexually harass each other, but also don't get too uh, wildly drunk and that was uh, really nice because it just it worked for like mainstream parties going to the pub everything didn't it which was really nice exactly to... and a friend of mine had it for their birthday recently yeah and and so everyone who was there had had to on the Facebook group it was like okay you need to read this code of conduct yeah uh, and then also I guess part of this as well is that another thing that these communities that certainly I've learned from these communities and mm. we've got in these guidelines is the PAL system, like the idea mm. that when people go to these events, that they have somebody with them in order that can they can check in with, and to, people can kind of look after each other and give each other peer support. Yeah. But also, it's somebody that can be approached by um, somebody else at somebody else at the party or the organisers can approach in order to have a word with somebody who has yeah. behaved badly. So you've got a PAL who can look after you if, if, if you struggle but can also call you out or call you in if yeah. you do something. Yeah. Um, that's really great. Um, yeah, another event that I went to, um, I mean, a lot of events are having a bit of an intro consent thing mm-hmm. at the beginning, yeah. for, especially for newbies. Mm-hmm. But when I went to recently, had a, a whole, like pretty much the first hour was structured around kind of learning about the different spaces in the party but also with a real kind of consent throughout of mm-hmm. like doing different activities with kind of you know sort of taking in turns with different people who are at the event to yeah. do like consent related activities around sort of having eye contact or asking for a touch and mm-hmm. receiving a touch and it was all like you know building up building up building up that sense of it has to be ongoing concerns yeah. and reminders about power and how to negotiate so by the time anyone was doing anything more they'd had that kind of really kind of immerse themselves in that idea of what kind of ongoing and enthusiastic consent looks like yeah. uh, the, the other thing there I was thinking yeah 
that you were talking about was that often with parties, like any kind of party, mm. there is an idea that it should always accelerate to a climax. Yes. Like there is a party escalator, right? Yeah, like a relationship escalator or a sex escalator. There's exactly. a party escalator, yeah. I'm very glad you didn't say sex sexcalator. Thank I know, I'm trying that. to avoid that. No, you Port, don't like Portman, that. Portman, no. <laughs> Portman, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, it's that idea that they always have to kind of escalate. And, yeah. you know, with, often with parties, it's like a big kind of, oh, yeah. 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 it's all going to be great at this bit and we're all going to be doing this and it's like yes. actually no can yeah. we have can you arrange parties where there are kind of it's more flat or there are kind of ebbs and flows of different activities that people may or may not yeah. want to do and or different spaces for different kinds of um, intimacy or mm-hmm. experience which kind of then again flattens out that sense that the sex room or the kink room is somehow like the most important place and makes it be like well actually you could come here and dance you could come here and cuddle you could come here and chill out you could come here and talk to people all of these expe- things are valuable yeah or if it's a non-sex party the expectation that everyone is going to be on drugs or everyone's going yeah. to be getting really smashed on alcohol or you have to get off with someone at the end of the night yeah it's a successful party yeah yeah and then you don't even really enjoy the party do you because no. you're always thinking oh, i might have got to get off with somebody you don't really exactly just go to enjoy dancing or whatever yeah 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 so yeah thinking about your party escalator that's a good one yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. just came up with that yeah just like like, just off the top of your head just like that's how you roll isn't it really moving on from so those are all in a way preventative aren't they they're kind of things you could do to hopefully not have this kind of uh shit going on at all but it will do sometimes Mm. so i guess it's so important as well to listen when somebody says that something has happened, yeah. to really listen and respect them and believe them and do something about it. Yeah. And as we say, the the really the danger in these situations that we're talking about is that quite often people belittle mm. um, or minimise or don't hear because mm. you know they don't want to get into it because it's going to be complicated or, yeah. or hard for them or they just don't want to believe it of that person or they just don't want to believe it of humans in general. You know, that's again in the more um, oh, I'm trying to come up with a good word for hippie, but I'm not coming up with one. That's really bad. What do I want? What do I mean? It kind of, I guess, in my mindfulness communities, mm-hmm. I'll own it. It's you know, I'm part of these mindfulness communities that um, very much want to believe that everybody's good at heart. Yeah. Um, and I think other other related kind of communities have a similar thing where they just don't want to believe that somebody would deliberately perpetrate, and therefore they kind of downplay it and assume that that person's good at heart, really, and you know that it, it, it can't yeah. possibly be as bad as the person says so we've got to be really careful there I mean yeah. that's the different I guess we set out our store for this at the beginning of the podcast yeah. when we talked about how we can treat people with compassion but also say that what they're doing is absolutely yeah. completely and utterly wrong and immoral and unethical that's right I think sometimes people struggle to hold those two things mm. simultaneously it's like either we can be completely compassionate which means having to kind of let people get away with stuff yeah. or we can be completely hard ass which means just completely shunning and shaming someone the minute they do something wrong yeah. and we're saying actually it's something about holding but holding capacity for compassion alongside firm you know boundaried yeah. it's not okay to do these things and having both of those simultaneously which is it's hard it's a hard thing to do yes yeah um, so community responses to people behaving um, mm. in non-ethical slash non-consensual ways towards other people. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, if we're having a less of a hierarchical, a hierarchical community leadership, yeah. everybody in the, like, in inverted commas leadership of the community also needs to be paying attention to any codes of conduct that they might have. Yes. May also need to have a system where they have somebody mm. who is their pal or somebody who is with them that could also... 
uh, call them out or call them in too if they behave poorly. Yeah, one thing I heard um, at a recent conference I went to was about pods, which is like more than a pal, you have actually a whole pod of people right. that are your chosen folks to deal with whenever anything like this comes up and you mm. put them in place in advance, which I thought was a really good idea. Yeah. And they're not they're supposed to be people who are not your mates who would kind of have your best interests at heart. Yeah. But, you know, a li- at one level out maybe, people who would, you yeah. know, can be kind with you and also are really committed to being super honest with you. Yeah. So if something like this does kick off they can be really helpfully mm-hmm. placed to evaluate what's going on and help mm. you with any kind of mediation. Um, so having a pod in advance is a great plan. Well, I think what, what we're talking about here more generally, because mm. in order to bring this up for all potential situations, is basically that there, that there will be somebody who could act as some kind of intermediary. Yes. And so that if there is a complaint raised about somebody, that somebody can... That the complaint can be raised with the intermediary, yeah. or that they raise it with the person who um, is being complained about. Yeah. And this person acts as a conduit between yeah. the organisation and the person. Yes. In order that to in order to help communication. Yeah. And in order to be able to, um, I think, in order to make it so that people are heard calmly mm-hmm. and without there being you know a lot of doubling down and anger mm-hmm. and stuff on the part of the perpetrator mm-hmm. which is common yeah um, and and or, you know also maybe that that person who survived that behavior doesn't have to even confront them directly yeah. because that they shouldn't have to be re-traumatized in that way they, exactly. you know they've been through it now they should be able to focus on healing from it yeah and uh, other people should carry that burden i think and yeah. that's what the a any community kind of mm. thing we're talking really broadly and nebulously but mm. I guess hopefully you're, you're following us listener but mm. that's what the community leaders should be doing even if it's one of them one of yes. themselves absolutely you know, yeah, and yeah. that's what accountability is is that we all need to be held accountable to the same processes yeah um, and it's also just important more generally that that people are just speaking up and challenging this stuff yes um, and that it's that even if we're at a in a pub or at a party situation where it's like somebody that we know is behaving badly and we can see it just being able to say mate you're out of order there yeah or, you know that just more of that kind of stuff going on is also definitely because again the more you get used to that stuff the better you know mm. it feels like a million miles away from something that you can imagine doing until it becomes normalized and it's yeah. just something you're doing yeah um and then it is it is doable to put those boundaries in place and yeah, it can be really helpful if 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 we're all looking out for each other on that. Mm. You know, I think that you know a lot of us would really want someone to tell us. Yeah, and I suppose what we're actually concluding is going back to those two kinds of non-consent that we started with, mm. the kind of real deliberate perpetration and the just the everyday non-consent, mm. is I think what we're saying is the more that we're mindful of the everyday non-consent and trying to address it and trying to be more explicitly conse- consensual in our actions, the more then we're also going to notice the people who are doing the more deliberately non-consensual stuff because we've got much more clear idea about ongoing consent and what it looks like we've got a much clearer idea about you wouldn't just like grab somebody without permission so you're going to see though they're going to stand out in the way that previously what they were doing was quite normalized and even when they were doing pretty serious stuff people were like oh i guess that kind of thing does happen now they're just going to stand out as like whoa yeah. way over the line you know yeah. straight away so I think it's the two the two are in, interconnected really. yeah yeah cool well yeah. Uh, we hope that's been interesting thought provoking helpful mm-hmm. other words 
Do you have any other words? Useful. Useful. It's the same thing as helpful. <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll have some links to the resources that we talked about. Blog. That we yes. just do a little blog for this. And um, again, we've got a back catalogue of stuff where we've been talking about consent. Yeah. Um, so do have a um, a look back through our uh, previous podcast if you are new to the Meg, John and Justin podcast. Yeah. Um, we are at soundcloud.com forward slash Meg, John, Justin, where you can like us and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, on one of my favourite podcasts, Adam Buxton's podcast, he has a jingle at the end. Uh, which is called like and subscribe it's like and subscribe like and subscribe and so it always gets stuck <laughs> in my head so do like and subscribe yeah. otherwise we'll start singing jingles at you to make um, you like and subscribe that's no, right, that consent. would not be consensual <laughs> um, but we invite you strongly to like and subscribe yeah um, if you go on megjohnandjustin.com then you could search for consent and come up with all of our videos and other resources around it yeah, I mean, it's probably half the website. It probably but. is most of it. Everything's tagged with consent. We're kind of um, into, into consent. You may have got that. Well, it's important, isn't yes. it? Yes. Um, and um, we uh, are on the Twitters, at Justin. We're still on Facebook, even though Facebook, you know, everyone's going to delete Facebook after, <laughs> after today. It's the, Facebook, not so consensual. We're just recording yeah. after the Cambridge Analytica and Facebook yes. stuff. We're in, kind of in the middle of that news cycle, so mm-hmm. Facebook might disappear by the time you listen to this podcast. But anyway, <laughs> if it hasn't, we're there. We're there, Meg John Justin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, do ask us questions. We'll uh, we'll do some more questions coming up. Um, yes, thanks to all who have asked us questions. We're we're kind of storing some up to do a few in one podcast at the moment. So yeah, that's why we haven't done those. For and a sometimes we like to have a little bit of a think about some of them as well, and, yeah. and try to gather a few together and put them in one maybe yeah, and stuff. Yeah. so that's how it's going to work anyway we said this was going to be a short one <laughs> yeah it's, we lied we're sorry we lied we're sorry <laughs> um, okay so until next time bye bye